0: Thank you for coming here this morning, and thank you for those who are listening online. We appreciate you being here, and again, as uh, Miss Lisa mentioned, if you are a first-time guest, make sure that you stop by the Welcome Center, you fill out a card. We have a special gift for you. That very friendly gentleman out there uh, is more than eager to give you one of our gifts. And so, um, and then also, as she mentioned, too, we have three small groups. Uh, today is the day that I guess I'm supposed to be promoting our group, So uh, myself and Nick Haller are going to be facilitating the group here on Sunday uh, evenings at 5.30. And uh, we just have a good time. We're going to be going through a study called, actually all three groups are going through a study called The Forgotten God. And it's going to be speaking of the Holy Spirit. So that should be really exciting. So if you're not a part, um, we want you to be a part. You know, I heard someone once say that in order to grow big, you have to first grow small. And I think it's so true, like, um, you know, I think that building community, like, Sunday morning is cool, like, it's cool to come up here and worship, and there, there's, a, there's definitely an aspect of, you know, when we come together, there's power, and so, like, that's really cool, but um, something's really cool about sitting together in circles, and getting to know each other, and hearing people's heart, and so I encourage you, if you're, if you're not involved, we have some sign-up sheets in the back, make sure that you get connected, and um, yeah, Have a good time with us. So, we have been going through this series through the book of Titus, and today is actually going to be the last day. Oh, no, okay. Yeah, I'm I'm sad as well. Today is going to be the last day. And uh, so, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to Titus chapter 3. And as you're turning there, if you have been... Here, the last couple of weeks, we've just been kind of talking about the overview of Titus. And um, so I'm going to kind of get you caught up real quick. So, Titus was written around 66 AD. Paul was writing this letter to Titus, who was picking leaders and equipping leaders to be in charge of the churches in Crete. There's this island uh, just south um, of, uh, it's actually the fifth largest island in the Mediterranean. It has an area of about 5,000 miles, about 650 miles of shoreline. It's beautiful. It has, like, pink, sandy shores, and there's hills and mountains and vineyards, and it's a beautiful area, and so many people have uh, speculated that the church in Crete was planted out of the day uh, of Pentecost when revival hit, and so um, Paul is writing this letter to Titus who was... Kind of in charge of these churches, and he's encouraging him. And Titus is kind of the guy who um, he was the guy who was the the man who was the uh, the, the equiper of leaders. And Titus was, I, as I've kind of been saying, Titus was kind of the the guy that Paul would send somewhere when he needed someone to be kind of strong and someone to be direct. I like to think of Titus as a big burly man with a hairy chest, and maybe he wasn't, but I like to think of him like that. And Timothy was more of the gray sky, and Titus was more the guy that, you know, you put somewhere that they needed someone to, you know, they, they needed someone to straighten him out. And so um, it's interesting because although Crete was beautiful, it was filled with a lot of wickedness. In fact, we talked about the first week, like, the description of the Cretans back in Titus chapter 1. It says, "...for there are many insubordinates, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped." who subvert whole households, teaching them which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. And then Paul goes on to say, this testimony is true. And then he goes on to say, in Titus chapter 1, verse 16, he says, they profess to know God, but in their works, they deny him. Being uh, abominable, disobedient, and disqualified in um, in every good work. And so, these people in Crete were bad people, okay? I mean, they were really bad people. They were very bad. Can you look at your neighbor and say, bad? Now look to your other neighbor and say, that's right, bad. They were very bad. I mean, they were like a mixture of, I don't even know, like just really bad people. And so, and everyone knew the Cretans were bad people. In fact, they even had slangs. They were like, oh yeah, Cretans. Cretans. Like if you said a Crete, Cretans, they just knew that you meant a liar. I don't know if you've ever met anyone like that before. That's just really bad The people in Crete were really bad, okay. And so Paul's writing to Titus, and he's telling them, he's telling him to kind of straighten them out. And so um, let's delve. I'm going to read the entirety of chapter three, and then I have a couple of a couple of quick points. We should be out of here by six or seven o'clock tonight, okay? So it says, Titus chapter three. (laughs) I didn't get an amen there, people. Okay, okay, I'm just kidding. Titus chapter three. It says, remind them to be subject to rulers. And authorities to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable and gentle, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Man, talk about calling it how it is, huh? But when the kindness of the love our God, our of, of the love of God our Savior toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on, who he, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want to affirm to you constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. But avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and striving about the law for They are unprofitable and useless. Reject a divisive man after the first and second uh, admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. When I sent Artemis to you, or Tychicus, be be diligent to come to me from Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Send Zanus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their journey with haste, that they may lack nothing, And let our people also learn to maintain good works. Can you you look at your neighbor and say good works? Good works. To meet urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful. All who are with me greet you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. Lord, please um, minister your word this morning. Please speak to us this morning and uh, open up our hearts and eyes for what you have for us, Father. I just pray that the veil be removed from our hearts and that we are able to look at ourselves um, clearly through the, through, the word of your, um, through the power of your word. God, we, we thank you for this and we ask this in your holy name. Amen. So again, he's writing the church in Crete. He's writing Titus. He's writing about the church in Crete, and um, I just kind of want to read through a couple of the verses and, and, and talk them through. Is that okay? And then, and then we'll be done. So I'm just going to go through a couple verses. Again, you kind of to have to remember the background, um, but he's writing uh, Titus, and Titus is speaking to, to them, the, the, the people in Crete. And so if you go back to the first verse again, he says, remind them, again, he's speaking about the People in Crete to be subject to rulers and authority, to obey, to be ready for every good work. Now, that, that's actually uh, that's actually kind of a, a a a big opening verse to chapter three. Remind them, the people, to subject to rulers and authority. It's kind of big because. A lot of people don't like authority, and a lot of people don't like rules, and he's telling them that they need to be subjected to rules and authority. How many of you guys like authority? Raise your hand. How many of you guys like rules? Thank you, Craig. How many of you guys like rules? Raise your hand. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, like, those are almost like dirty words now, like rules and authority. And how many of you guys like, if, if, if you're under someone that, that isn't a very good person, how many of you guys like rules and authority? Like if that person is being... Kind of a jerk. Have you guys ever worked with someone? Staff, don't raise your hand. Have you guys ever worked with someone who's been kind of a jerk? Ah, no, no. All right. it's, like, it's like, oh, okay. So, so, so from the very beginning, he's like, you need to obey uh, the authorities. Uh, now, I was kind of wondering, like, why he would say this here. And so I actually went back and I looked. And um, again, if you go back to about 66 AD, um, it's interesting because you see that the person that was in charge at that time was a man named Nero. Um, I don't know if you've read about him or not, but Nero was actually uh, an emperor when he turned 17. Um, he was known as the most evil man of his time. The most evil man of his time. Most evil. I mean, he was pretty messed up. Uh, If you go and you look at what historians said about him, he was known for his um, political murders. He killed his own mother. He was known for his debaucheries. He was known for his passion for music. And he was also known for his passion for persecuting Christians. In fact, he um, he would have dogs rip people apart. He would... Um, have people crucified. In fact, they said that he perfected the crucifixion. Um, He enjoyed lighting Christians on fire, and and they would provide the light for the streets at night. Um, Again, he was known as the most evil man of his time. He killed his own mother. He was insane. In fact, historians say that um, they think that he started the fire that burned Rome down in 64, and they said that while Rome was burning, he was playing his fiddle. He was known as the most evil man of his time. He was crazy. So when we read this first verse, it's kind of hard for us to digest. Because we're like, well, wait a minute. Paul, I can imagine Titus thinking to himself, Paul, I'm not sure if the churches are going to sign off on this letter. Uh, I'm not sure if you know this, Paul, but, but Nero is crazy. He's foolish. Nero is disobedient. Nero is deceived. He is hateful. Nero is just a terrible guy. How many of you guys know terrible people? Raise your hand. Just a terrible person. And yet here he says, remind them to subject to the rulers and authorities. And it's almost as if Paul was anticipating Titus' response when he goes on in verse 3 and says, For we ourselves were also once foolish. We were disobedient. We were deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. I mean, when I read that verse, it, it kind of, it really speaks of how messed up the world is right now. And Paul is specifically speaking of the condition of our hearts. We're messed up. We've sinned. We've hurt people. You know, for some people, our past is not something... For some people, our past is exciting, something that we like to talk about. But for other people, our past is something that we're ashamed of. When I think about Crete's past, I think, man, their past was something that they were probably ashamed of they were known as liars they were known as you know hateful and all all these other different things and 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 it's like 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 paul is, is again he's like pointing out to to titus listen we're we're you were once foolish you were once disobedient you were once deceived Various, you had serving various lusts and pleasures living in malice and envy and hateful and hating like he's pointing out the depravity of humanity You know, it's, it's interesting because I feel like, man, all you got to do is turn on the news and you can see crazy stuff going on all the time. Am I right? You turn on the news and you see all the things that are happening all over the world. You turn on the news. I see that there's shootings. You turn on the news. You see others, you know, there's trafficking. You see on, You turn on the news. You just see things all over and over and over again. And sometimes it gets depressing when you turn it on and you watch stuff. And sometimes I tell people, man, it's almost better just ignorance is bliss sometimes. Just turn off the news, you know. As you turn on, It's like one thing after another, after another, after another. and Oh, my goodness. And you just see the depravity of the world that we live in. You see the lostness of the world that we live in. You see the darkness of the world that we live in. And it's just like, oh, my goodness. And oh, sometimes it can be difficult when we, when we see all the things that are happening. But if you keep on reading, it doesn't end there. He says, for we ourselves, we were once foolish, disobedient, we're deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. It doesn't end there. But he says, but when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward men appeared. It's interesting because that word appeared is also Uh, found in Titus chapter 2, verse 11. And it's also found in Titus chapter 2, verse 13. And that word there specifically isn't speaking of of his love being an emotion. We talked about this last week. It's not speaking of his love being some type of feeling, but he's specifically speaking about an event. He's speaking about Jesus, he's speaking out like he's like, you were once foolish, you were once deceived, you were once full of hate. And then Jesus appeared with his kindness, and Jesus appeared with his His mercy and his love, and he saved us through the power of his spirit. It says, not by the works of righteousness, which, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regenerate, regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us, on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our saviors. That having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Like, I kind of feel like verse, uh, verse 3 expa- explains our condition before, and verses 3 through 7 explains our condition when we meet God. I mean, are you guys thankful this morning that we have God's mercy? Amen? And are you thankful this morning that we have God's grace? And are you thankful this morning uh, for the Holy Spirit, which has been poured out on us abundantly? Amen? I mean, when I read this, it kind of excites me when I think about, like, you know, um, I think sometimes when we look at our past and we think about the ways that we've messed up and we look at the ways that things are, like, kind of seem hopeless and uh, we look at our mistakes, it's amazing that we can come to Jesus and we can find grace and mercy and love in Jesus' name. I'm not sure if you can remember, maybe you don't have a moment, but I'm not sure if you can remember the first time that you had an interaction with the Lord. Um, I can remember, I grew up in a, in a church in uh, southeastern Minnesota where I grew up. And grew up in church, um, you know, it was kind of like back in the day when, um, you know, you had Sunday mor- you had Sunday school, you had Sunday morning church, you had Sunday evening church. You had Wednesday evening church. You had the Bible study on Tuesdays. You had, you know, this is like church going on all the time. And I remember our church actually had, um, our church originally growing up met in, they bought a building that used to be a funeral home. Okay. Can you imagine going to church in a funeral home? Weird, huh? Okay. So then they ended up building another, uh, they built outside of town a little bit. And we had this, uh, we built a church and this was back in the um, 90s. Early 90s, and that was back when. Uh, do you remember when, like, the baby blue color was in? Remember that? And so our pews were baby blue, and uh, our, our stage was like a like, kind of like another color blue. And, and so, anyways, you think back, ah, that was popular back then. But, um, man, I can remember um, it was a Sunday night, and uh, an evangelist came in, um, Mike Shields. And uh, I think he's a missionary now down in Argentina. And he came in that day and he um, was ministering and he uh, was talking about the power of the Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I remember him talking and he shared a story about how there was this guy who was petrified of fire and his daughter got in a car accident and his daughter was in a car that started on fire. And he talked about how this guy who was petrified of fire, through the power of the Holy Spirit, ripped the car apart and rescued his daughter. And um, I remember it was one of the most powerful. I, I didn't tell. I'm not telling it half as eloquently as him, but I remember it was one of the most powerful stories that I ever heard. And I remember going up to the altar that Sunday night. I was probably maybe 13 or 14, and. Uh, Praying and asking God to minister to me, and He ministered to me in a very real and tangible way. And um, I don't know if you've ever had experiences like that, where um, maybe it's with other, maybe it's at a church service where you were praying for someone and you felt the Lord speak to you, or maybe it was in your prayer closet where you were praying and the Lord just spoke to you in a powerful and a vivid way. And um, You know, I I say that to say that, man. uh, When the Lord moves, when the Lord appears in your life, and He speaks to you, man, it can be transformational. You know, and sometimes I think we again we're like, we look at our past, we say, "Oh man," I'm, I'm, but man, just a moment in the Lord's presence can change you. Just a moment in His presence can transform you. Just a a moment in his presence can change your perspective. So it's like when when you see the the, the depravity of the world, and then you compare that against the goodness and the mercy of the Lord, it is transformational. You know, and as as black or as dark as the world can be at some times, the Lord's grace is. And mercy is greater still. You know, you might look at your situation and you might feel like it's hopeless. You might look at your situation you might feel, I just cannot overcome this. But I want to encourage you this morning that greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Right? Here, 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 here Paul is talking to Titus about the depravity of, Of these Cretans. And in the same sentence. Or the next sentence. Right after talking about the depravity of the Cretans. He sits down and he speaks of the wonder. And the splendor. Of our God and King. God is faithful. He's full of mercy. He's full of compassion. You know. um, If you keep on reading though. It doesn't end there like i think sometimes when we experience god's grace and mercy we say praise the lord hallelujah i'm i'm set i'm good to go but it doesn't end there if you keep on reading look at this closely it says for this is a faithful this is a faithful saying and i want to uh this, uh, this is this is a faithful saying and these things i want to affirm Constantly, can you look to your neighbor and say constantly? You know, it's like when you talk to your kids and you tell them something once and they don't listen, and then you talk to them again and they don't listen, and you talk to them again and they don't listen. Like, pick up your room, pick up your room, pick up your room, pick up your room, pick up your room. Get off your, get off your video games, get off your video games, get off your video games, get off your, you know, pick up your room. Have you ever been like that before, where you're just telling someone something again and again? So this is Paul. He said, "Listen, this is a faithful saying." And these things I want to affirm constantly. Now look, look at this closely. Again, we were, de- we were deprived, we were sinful, we were hateful, we were foolish. And then the, the grace of the Lord came in, the mercy of the Lord came in. And then he says this, and he says, I want to affirm it constantly. That those who believe in God should be careful to maintain, this is almost a dirty word, good works. Let me read that again. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have, been, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable. Listen, in closing out this series on Titus, if I could pick a main theme or if I could pick a statement for this book, it would be godliness, maybe would be the word, or maybe the, maybe the word would be a godly character, or perhaps even better, it might just be a simple statement that it's important how we live. Can you look at your neighbor and say, it's important how we live? Listen, when we come into a relationship with Jesus, there's something that changes inwardly. It's something that happens. There's a there's a transformational spiritual Holy Spirit type of work, amen? In fact, you talked about this earlier. It's like, hey, it's like this regenerative, like this washing, this, this, there's this, there's this thing inside of you that changes and that transforms and the, the Spirit starts working and he starts. Have you guys ever felt that before where, where the Spirit's moving and you're just like, okay, all right, yeah, there's something inside of you that, that changes. In fact, in, in John chapter three, he, he equates it to like a new birth. And in, in the Bible, it talks about like a, a new man. In fact, it talks about a new life. I think it's Ephesians chapter Four talks about the new male or there 's something that, that that changes inside of you, and it 's weird because you know sometimes I think when we um, when we when we get saved or when we come into this we see the appearing of the Lord in our life sometimes we think that oh you know now that i'm I'm saved everything's going to be you know that's good news and I've arrived and now my bank account is full and you know now um, I'm never gonna have to struggle with sin again and now I'm a perfect no 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 like the spirit he starts working inside of you but it's like a it's like a work you know what I mean it's not like a lot of times it's like a like a, a work like over and over and over again and that you know I, I wish the the old man would just disappear. I don't mean that in a bad way. I wish the old man in us would just disappear, and we never have to struggle with with uh, sin again. I wish we wouldn't have to struggle with being jealous. Or I wish we wouldn't have to struggle with our language. I wish we wouldn't have to suffer, you know, with, with lust and whatever. I wish we not. But it's like this old man and this new man just are, are struggling, and they're like. Like the spirit, has anyone ever felt like that before? Like, like, like you kind of feel like Paul in uh, Romans chapter one, he's like, it's like, I know what I should do, but the things that I should do, I'm not doing. I and mean, it's like that struggle, that inward struggle going back and forth and back and forth. The old man and the new man, in fact, even in Ephesians chapter six, Paul went as far as to say that it's a spiritual battle. He doesn't say that it's a, he, 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 he doesn't say, you know what? It is a spiritual vacation once you come into a relationship with the Lord. And, and trust me, how many of you guys would like a spiritual vacation? Raise your hand, hallelujah. But, but he doesn't say it's a spiritual vacation. He said it's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. Man, I, I think, man, wouldn't it be great if, if it was just a spiritual vacation. And I think sometimes what we do, I could be wrong, I could be wrong, if I'm wrong, yell heresy when I'm done, but sometimes what we do is we justify our behavior because of our condition. Man, if, if things were better, then I would, I would make an effort. I would be an amazing citizen if I could just do whatever I wanted. Man, I, I, if if the government would fund me so that I could buy, I, I want. I'd like to build a bomb shelter, and I'd like to start siphoning water off the roof and i'd like to start purchasing a bunch of ak47 like if the if the government would fund me for that then i would be the best citizen of the world okay if, if or or if i would be an amazing employee if i were just appreciated more if i were just paid more amen i would be so amazing to my spouse if my husband would just stop looking at his phone And start paying attention to me. We justify our behavior. Because of our condition. But I would argue. That it's important. How we live in prosperity. But. It is almost even more. Important. How we live. In adversity. This church wasn't. Eating bonbons and running around. What, like like this church was being persecuted by a crazy man named Nero. And Paul said to them, very specifically, I'm gonna affirm this constantly. Pick up your room, pick up your room, pick up your room, get off your video again. I'm gonna affirm to this, I'm gonna affirm this to you constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. Your godliness matters. Your character matters. And it's important how we live. Now hold on, Pastor Evan. I think I know a verse in Ephesians chapter 2 that says... That um, it's by grace I've been saved. Hmm. For it's by grace, and it's true, and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not works, lest anyone can boast, which is true. But if you read the context of the verse, if you go on to verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Jesus Christ for good works which God prepared beforehand, and we should walk in them. You know, we are saved through the blood and the mercy and the grace and the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can't do it of ourselves, you know. I think a lot of religions, it's based on how can I work my way to heaven. The beautiful thing is that Jesus already did the work, right? But once our lives are changed and transformed by the power of God, that inward work becomes an outward expression of God's love and faithfulness. And I, I, I'm, not, I'm not doing good things to be saved, but I, I'm, I'm doing things because of the work that God has done in my life. I'm talking about. And you know what's interesting, too? In the book of Hebrews, it actually says, in Hebrews chapter 10, it says that God has called us together as a body of believers to stir up one another in love and in good works. I I guess I, I, I sometimes wonder, I think sometimes we can err on the side of legalism, but I think sometimes also we can err on the side of just, you know, now that I've experienced Jesus, I'm just going to keep it here and there's, there's, no transform, there's no transforming work. And I guess I want to encourage you this morning to allow God to continue to work in your hearts, to allow him to move in you and to transform you and to change you. Again, it's not, it's, not a, it's not a spiritual vacation, although sometimes I wish it was. Like, it's a spiritual warfare where the old man is fighting with the new man. It's a, it's, a difficult, it's a difficult thing, but through the power of the Spirit over and over and over again, God can change us through the power of his name. God, I thank you so much that we're here this morning. Father, I thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. The worship team can come back up. God, I, I thank you for your mercy. God, I thank you that um, we... Um, although at one time we're lost and um, uh, filled with darkness, God, that uh, you sent your Son into the world who is light for mankind, Father, and God, I thank you that that we can come to the cross and that although we deserve uh, punishment through through the cross, God, now we receive grace. God, I thank you for those things, Father, and I just thank you uh, that you have appeared to us, God, and um, I, I just pray right now for maybe there are some people here this morning that are uh, struggling. Uh, maybe they're, they're they're struggling with some things in their life. They're struggling with some um, thoughts or they're struggling with some situations, Father. And God, I pray right now that you'll just strengthen them and that you'll encourage them. Father, I pray that your word will just pour over them and that you will move in them in a powerful and effective way this morning, Father. I just pray that um, you'll minister to us this morning as we sing this song, and I pray that you will be glorified in everything that we do. God, I pray that um, our salvation won't be just an experience that we we came across once in the past and that was it, but that, that you'll continue to refine us and mold us and change us and transform us and prune us into your image Father, God, we know that you are uh, constantly refining us and that you're constantly moving us uh, to be more and more like you, God. And I know refining can be painful and pruning can be painful and difficult, but God, we know that you have um, called us to be a peculiar people. You've called us to be people that are set apart. You've called us to be people that are salt and light in the world and that we're to be in the world but not of the world, Father. And God, we just pray that you will uh, minister to us this morning as we sing this song one last time.